Welcome to News Kids. I'm Rose. And I'm Zara. And together we're presenting this weekly podcast about what's going on in our world today. Each week we cover top stories across world news, politics, science, technology, entertainment and arts. This week we are talking about protests in Hong Kong, plant extinction, Greta Thunberg, World Oceans Day, space tourists, why children need more sleep, and about our very own online book club. Hello, this is Zara. This week, thousands of people have been protesting in Hong Kong about a bill called the Extradition Bill, which they fear could become law and allow China to target people in Hong Kong who do not agree with Chinese policies. The Extradition Bill would allow those suspected of breaking the law to be sent to mainland China to face trial. The protesters are worried that if people from Hong Kong are sent to China to face trials, they would face an unfair trial and violent treatment. This week, protesters blocked key roads around government buildings. Some protesters tried to storm key government buildings and police responded by firing tear gas and rubber bullets to block them and get them to stop the protests. 72 people aged from 15 and 66 were injured in the violence and about 21 police officers were injured too. Hong Kong's leader Carrie Lam has called the protests organised riots. Hong Kong is in Southeast Asia and is smaller than the area of Greater London and has a population of about 7 million people. It has an interesting history as it was a British colony from 1842 until 1997, when control of the city was handed over to China. Following handover, there was a special agreement with China called One Country, Two Systems, which means that although Hong Kong is now part of China, it still has differences to the rest of China, like its own law, its own courts, and its own economic system. The protesters feel that if the extradition bill becomes law, it would bring Hong Kong even further under Chinese control. Miss Lam's government had supported the bill which was also supported by China. Hong Kong officials had said that if the bill was passed, the Hong Kong courts would make the final decision about whether or not to extradite someone and suspects accused of political and religious crimes would not be extradited. However, as a result of the protests, the Hong Kong government has now suspended the bill and put plans to change the law on hold. Miss Lam said that she had heard the calls for her government to pause and think and that her goal was the greatest interests of Hong Kong, which involved first restoring peace and order. She said that no date has been set for the next step forward. Hi, it's Rose here. A new report released this week had said that 571 plant species have been lost completely over the past 250 years. The study by scientists at the Royal Botanic Gardens in Kew and at Stockholm University says that since 1900, an average of three plant species has disappeared each year, which is an extinction rate at least 500 times faster than would naturally be expected. 
The report also showed that many more plants have become extinct than birds, mammals and amphibians, which amount to a combined 217 over the same period. But although fewer species of animals have died out, their rate of decline is even faster, at least 1,000 times faster than background rates of extinction, showing what an impact people are having on our planet. Dr. Emir Nick Lagarda, co-author of the study and a conservation scientist at Royal Botanic Gardens in Kew, said plants underpin all life on Earth. They provide the oxygen we breathe and the food we eat, as well as making up the backbone of the world's ecosystems, so plant extinction is bad news for all species. The research team also said that the number of species known to have died out and the rate of decline were likely to significantly underestimate the true levels of ongoing plant extinction. However, the scientists also found that previously kept records of extinct species were not accurate. A well-known list called the Extinction Red List is kept by the International Union for Conservation of Nature. However, out of the 122 extinct plant species currently on this list, the researchers found that 50 had actually been rediscovered or needed to be reclassified. In other climate change news, this week Greta Thunberg was given an important prize called the Ambassador of Conscience Award by Amnesty International, a human rights charity. Greta, a 16-year-old schoolgirl from Sweden, started an international movement against climate change last year by protesting outside the Swedish parliament every Friday in a series of protests which became known as Fridays for Future. Since then, she has become a well-known person, speaking regularly to politicians and leaders about the importance of the climate change emergency and what people should be doing about it. Greta said she was honoured to receive the award on behalf of the movement, adding that this is not my award. This is everyone's award. Amnesty founded the prize in 2002 to celebrate individuals and groups who had furthered the cause of human rights by showing exceptional courage standing up to injustice and who have used their talents to inspire others. Previous winners include Mary Robinson, Nelson Mandela and Malala Well done, Greta Thunberg. What do you think about Greta Thunberg, Rose? I think she is doing a wonderful job with her campaign. She really does help the environment. She's shown how you don't need to be a grown-up to make these things happen. You can do it when you're a kid. She's only 16 and she has done so much for the climate already. Yeah, and I think it's amazing that children have some way to stop climate change. Right, Rose? Yeah, very much. Can children really make a difference to the world? Of course they can, Rose, because anyone can make a difference to the world. All they have to do is do the right thing. Here's the saber talking about World Oceans Day. Ocean Day is held on the 8th of June every year. This is a day of awareness about the ocean environment and what we can do to help keep our waters healthy. Our oceans and waterways are really important as they provide vital things such as air, 
food and water. But our oceans aren't just important to us. They're important to the creatures who live in it too. The world's oceans cover more than 70% of our planet. And because so much of the Earth's surface is underwater, marine species vastly outnumber those on land. The ocean is also important for humans like us. It provides the majority of oxygen we breathe, food we eat, it cleans the water we drink and, most importantly, regulates our climate. Unfortunately, over the last 100 years, a huge amount of rubbish has ended up in our ocean, with plastic being one of the most common ocean pollutants. The majority of this rubbish doesn't get dumped into our oceans right away, but discarded on land where it is easily makes its way to drains, gutters and rivers, which all then run into the ocean. Approximately 80% of the plastic pollution enters the ocean from the land. Every year, 6.4 million tonnes of plastic is emptied into our oceans. This has a massive effect on animals, which rely on our oceans. Around 1 million seabirds and 100,000 marine animals are killed each year due to plastic ingestion. This is not the only problem, but a new report from the Blue Marine Foundation has found that yellowfin tuna caught in the Indian Ocean is being overfished. There are worries that the stock of fish will collapse, as there is not enough fish left to catch. According to the foundation, 700 tonnes fresh and frozen yellowfin tuna is sold in the UK each year. The European Union, which the UK is still currently a part of, sets limits for member countries to make sure that fish are protected from being overly harvested. But a leaked letter from the South African government has claimed that Spain might be catching more fish than the EU quota. There have now been calls from campaigners for people to stop buying yellowfin tuna by limiting the amount of fishing of yellowfin tuna. It might also help other marine life, such as sharks, turtles and seabirds who often get caught in fishing nets. The oceans are a vital part of everyday life, not just for our species, but for the countless others that call it their home. As Dr Lindsay Dodds, Head of Marine Policy at WWF, the Worldwide Fund for Nature, correctly states, Nature is not disposable, it is essential. We need it for our health, wealth and security. This is a global problem that requires a global solution. So let's not ignore it and do what the generation before us couldn't do. Let's make a change, a change for the better. So, what will you do? This is Naseba reporting for News Kids. Hi, it's Rose here. We have some exciting news this week. Sarah and I have launched an online book club called The Kids Bookshelf. Related to News Kids and the website is thekidsbookshelf.com. It's because we love reading so much. We created this book club and we really wanted to share the books we're reading and our thoughts about them with other children. All children are able to join the Kids Bookshelf Book Club, so you can sign up online with a grown-up's help. Choose a book and write a review. So far, I've read Mary Poppins by P.L. Travers and Tom's Midnight Garden by Philippa Pierce. And I'm currently reading The Burrows. What are you reading, Zara? Well, I have read two books of a series of unfortunate events, book three and book four, and I'm currently reading Carrie's Wall. Why do you like reading books? Rose. I just enjoy getting into the book. Like, do you ever get this feeling where you just start reading and then you basically lose your mind and when someone's talking to you, you 
you still continue reading and you can't hear them. Your face is like inside of the book. I feel the same thing too. And I did say this on one of the podcasts about the poem about Julia Donison when you're yeah. so hooked up into a book that you've left your chair, you've left the world, you've left base. Yeah. So one time, my mum ordered a series of Unfortunate book too. And then when I woke up, I started reading the book and then done in one hour. Well, that's quite fast. And that time, my parents and my sister weren't even awake that time. I was just like, I'm so caught into this book. What should I do? And then, mm, I can still read. And then when I was really close to finishing the book, my parents woke up and my mum asked me if I I wanted breakfast. Although my tummy was rumbling, I just said, I need to finish these last few pages because I desperately really wanted to finish this book and see what happens. And then when I did, my tummy was rumbling and it was about to burst. Did it burst? No. Why would you think I'm still here? (laughs) What kind of books do you most enjoy? Well, I like classical books and I like scary books. But I know it's quite a weird thing because not many people like scary books. What about you, Rose? Well, firstly, before I say what I like, do you mean scary like Harry Potter scary or series of unfortunate events scary? Well, they're both the same thing. But I don't know what's wrong with those books and me. We're so linked together. I read one book and after two days I finish it. Bam. Now I'll tell you what kind of books I most enjoy. I enjoy fiction books about things like unicorns and pegasus and I really love unicorns. Yeah, actually. And I've got another question for you. Have you ever actually read a non-fiction book? I've read quite a few non-fiction books, but I mostly read fiction books because they help you imagine stuff and you're, if you're not a really good imaginer. How do you feel when happy or sad or scary things happen? Well, when I'm reading a scary book, I'm so excited. And when a book finishes, I'm like, what happens next? What happens next? I have to get the next book. I'm if always like, nah, stop reading this book put it away <laughs> that's quite interesting what will be the next book on your reading list Rose I have so many books I want to read there's ballet shoes mold and the poison plot and a lot of other things but not what Katie did but that's a terrible book well I have to first finish the series of unfortunate events and then I might read um, like you said ballet shoes and I might read millions which is a book for 9 to 12 year olds but like I have so many books on my reading list that I have to read in the summer and I just can't wait to read them all. Here's James talking about space tourists at the International Space Station. There was exciting news for space lovers this week when NASA announced it will allow regular citizens to visit the International Space Station. That means that people can go into space as tourists, although it will cost $35,000 per night for the privilege. And that doesn't even include the cost of transport to get there. Two passengers a year will be allowed to live on the space station. The space station is a multi-billion dollar lab which orbits the Earth and is used for research and development of things related to space. NASA made this announcement as part of its new business model. It plans to have more money, making opportunities, both in low Earth orbit and around the moon. NASA astronaut 
Christina Koch said at the announcement, transitioning to this new model of business is an important step to enable NASA to move full speed ahead toward our goal of landing the first woman and the next man on the moon. NASA used to ban commercial use of the space station, but it does not own it. It was built beginning in 1998 with Russia, and in 2001, U.S. businessman Dennis Tito became the first tourist to visit when he paid Russia around 20 million dollars for a trip. The United States government has said it will stop giving NASA money from 2025, so NASA needs to find other ways to raise money. This new scheme will help it to do that. As well as letting ordinary people go to space. This is James reporting for News Kids. Here's Isabella talking about why children might need to get more sleep. Are you getting enough sleep? Our sleep habits were in the news this week when the British Nutrition Foundation announced the results of their latest research. They found that thousands of school-aged children are not getting enough sleep. This is a problem because it means we don't feel properly rested when we get up in the morning. The researchers also discovered the poor sleep changes our decisions about what food we eat. The survey asked over six thousand schoolchildren in both primary and secondary schools about their sleep habits. It also asked over one and a half thousand adults too. The researchers found that one third of primary school children and over two thirds of secondary school children were getting less than nine hours sleep a night. The adults weren't much better. Forty-three percent, or four in every ten adults, slept less than seven. Hours a night, which is the recommended minimum for grown-ups. Almost half of primary school children said they were looking at TV, phone, or computer screens just before bedtime, which can interrupt our sleep patterns during the night. How much sleep should children be getting? If you're at primary school, you should be sleeping between nine and a half and eleven and a half hours a night. If you're an older child, it should be between nine and nine and a half hours. What happens when we sleep during the night? While we are sleeping, our bodies have the chance to rest and recover, and our immune systems get a boost. If we don't get enough sleep, we can feel grumpy and tired, and find it hard to get out of bed in the morning. We might catch more colds and bugs than usual. We also feel tempted to snack more on sugary and unhealthy foods because the part of our brain that likes treats and rewards is more active than usual after a bad night's sleep. Experts recommend going to bed at regular time each evening and getting up in the same time every morning. They also say it is important to put away electronic devices at least an hour before bedtime and to avoid eating and drinking just before you sleep. We should make sure our rooms are properly dark too. Hopefully, these tips will help us all to get our beauty sleep and bounce out of bed in the mornings. <laughs> 
What do you think, Sarah? Is it important for children to get enough sleep? Well, of course it is, Rose. Because if you take me, for example, I get lots of sleep. So that's why in the morning, I may look like I'm tired, but after a while, I'm fresh and I can do anything I want. Well, if you look at my sister, she wakes up in the middle of the night and can't get to sleep. So then she gets half of the sleep she's supposed to be getting, and then she sleeps in class. That's crazy! Well, it's not actually true that she sleeps in class. It's just an expression that she may actually sleep in class. When my sister wakes me up, I feel so tired and I'm like, and I'm like at my friends. Um, so how do you feel when you don't get enough sleep, Rose? I feel very grumpy. Like, I almost want to go back to sleep. But then I realise I try and I try and I try and I can't. At school, if I'm really tired, I just feel like I'm going to go to sleep. And then I think, no, because if, if it was a test, I obviously wouldn't. I would let myself just calm down and then I'll get on with my work. That's all for this week. I really hope you enjoyed our show. Let me know what you think about our news stories. Goodbye from the news kids.